0: So, have you ever wondered what it's like to own and operate a franchise? Well, uh, how about owning and operating 38 of them? Hi, Marcus here, and on today's show, I interviewed Jesse Kaiser, who, with his brother Charles, has owned and operated not just one, two, or three, or five locations. They've operated as many as 38 franchise locations with four different brands. Okay, now stay on track here with me. They started out back in 2005 with one Little Caesars location, but today they own five of the Pizza Pizza restaurant locations, six Oxyfresh carpet cleaning businesses, and 22, 22 Sport Clips haircut salons. And by the way, along the way, they also picked up and sold five Valpak Direct marketing franchises just because they could. Add that all up, and that's 38 locations with four completely different concepts. And as you'll learn later in the show, even though the Kaiser brothers generated over $10 million in revenues last year, they're not slowing down anytime soon. So one of the first things I asked Jesse is what drove him to open so many locations?
1: I think most people look for freedom from things I I look for freedom to things freedoms to do things that um, you can't normally do you know I get to spend so much time with my kids I get to vacation wherever I want to whenever I want to Um, I can pick up the phone call and I can do whatever I want and that was things that was important to me even back then. It wasn't a materialistic thing like I need a big house or a fancy car. I wanted freedom to do things and I wanted freedom from things. So I wanted I wanted more relationships. I wanted more capabilities. I wanted more time. And obviously I wanted more capital. But um, I wanted more access to those things. I'm convinced
0: that your achievements, talents, and even your failures and mistakes are all just leading you, guiding you to find your life's calling. I'm Marcus Mora, and this is Born to Run It, a show about what it takes to finally find that one business concept or idea that you were born to run. A few years ago, I asked my son, Lucas, who was probably eight at the time, what he wanted to be when he grows up. And he said, dad, I want to be a fireman like my best friend, Josh is a fireman. So he wants to do that. He said, I want to be a scientist because he loves science and I want to be a businessman. And I think that's wonderful. And still to this day, he still believes that he's going to be all three of those things, that there's no problem with that, which is just like entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, some entrepreneurs have this grandiose idea that they can take on the world and accomplish anything, even if they have no money behind them or even any experience. And that was true for Jesse and his brother, Charles. The idea that someday they could own as many as 50 franchise locations didn't seem crazy at all or an out-of-reach goal. And not for any good reason. Back in 2005, when they bought their first Little Caesars location, they had just enough money to buy that one location. And no, they didn't have rich friends or rich parents who could bankroll them.
1: I was raised in Hoopston, Illinois. It's a little corn town in central Illinois, right up against the Illinois-Indiana border. My mom was a school teacher, and my dad ran um, a farm headquarters for what was then Joan of Arc that eventually got bought out by Pillsbury.
0: And what about brothers, sisters?
1: Yeah, I've got one younger brother, Charles Kaiser, and he happens to be my uh, business partner too.
0: And it was just the two of you?
1: Yeah, just the two of us.
0: Did you guys fight a lot?
1: Um, You know, there was four and a half years, five grades difference. So we just, uh, we grew up in a pretty competitive household and it was a little tough because he's a great guy. And uh, even though he was my younger, he he could keep up with me pretty hard on just about anything. (laughs) Uh So we really didn't get along until I moved out of the house and started kind of being my own guy. Uh, Once I went off to college, uh, then he started calling me for advice and I think he appreciated me a little bit differently and uh, I responded well to that. So our friendship, you know, we're we're each other's best friends now, have been for 20 plus years. um, And because we're not competing with each other, we're competing with each other.
0: So Jesse, take me back to owning your very first business, which was a Little Caesars. What year was that?
1: You know, we signed our franchise agreement with Little Caesars in 2004 and in March of 2005 this store finally opened.
0: So you just come off of of a, a great sales job, you're making money, why stop that career and go own a little Caesars?
1: Well, I grew up in a college town basically and it, myself and everyone I knew, you know, were drinking beer, getting late night pizza, I mean, the pizza places were always busy. So I knew there was money there, and I was in my early, early 20s, and I knew it was like the center of the universe of college town. So I thought, hey, let's open up a pizza place. We originally were going to do um, actually purchase out an existing pizza location that was not a franchise, just a one off. Um, but before I could acquire the capital to do such a thing, they went out of business. And my boss at the time says, you need to get into a franchise. And I'm like, well, what's a franchise? And he's like, they'll teach you how to run a business. And it'll be a lot easier and you'll have a probably a faster and higher success rate if you go with a franchise versus- Before
0: your boss said that, you had no intention of starting a franchise. You just thought, I want to start a pizza place. Maybe I'll buy one. But franchising wasn't even an option.
1: Well, you know, the truth is, is that when I was in college, I had this idea, like, oh, let's buy a Blimpies franchise, and I'd call and ask for the information. They send me an FDD and everything, and I'd look at what the the range of the price was, and it was like anywhere from like two hundred and fifty to five hundred and eighty thousand. It's like that's over a half million dollars. I'll never have that much money, so I had in my head that opening a franchise was just way, way too expensive, and that a little rundown pizza place could be a great revenue for me, uh, it wouldn't cost a whole lot. So it was the, the range that are in the FTDs what it cost to open. That scared the heck out of me at the age of like 20, 21.
0: So now, uh, and how old were you when you started your first, uh, little Caesars?
1: I was 27, I believe it took a few years to build up and save up some cash, but, uh, I actually did have enough money to open up a little Caesars on my own by that time.
0: And, uh, tell us about that first year of running the business. What was that like?
1: It was a crash course and just about everything you could think of. I was actually still working full-time and had no real intentions of leaving my sales job. And Charles was running the Little Caesars. Um, but we knew that we wanted to have more than one location. And for that to happen, while our restaurants were busy, Um, there was some areas of opportunity to have that bottom line be a lot thicker than it was. Mm -hmm. And so I jumped in there with him and I didn't take a paycheck for about 13 or 16 months till we opened up the second store and just worked basically worked for free. I had enough savings that that was fine and got in there and really, really made a lot of money off that first location so we could bankroll that. And we opened up our second one, um, like I said, like I think 16 months later. And then just months after that, we opened up two more in 2017, or I'm sorry, 2007. And uh, and then from there, then another year went by, and then we opened up uh, Valpac of Southern Illinois. It became a franchisee of Valpac.
0: So you now have how many Little Caesars?
1: At that time, we had four.
0: You had four Little Caesars. So why switch? Why not just keep opening more Little Caesars locations?
1: Well, at that point... A lot of the area had been boxed out around us. They had done such a great job selling the Little Caesars brand to entrepreneurs that we would have had to have driven hours and hours and hours for the most part to be able to open up the next Little Caesars in a town that was going to be big enough to support a Little Caesars. And the other thing was, is that in southern Illinois, my marketing options were pretty limited. So I thought, well... I need to advertise my Little Caesars more. What better way to do that than have another advertising media that I can take advantage of and make some more revenue off that.
0: Interesting enough, why did you go the franchise route again after Little Caesars? Why not just start uh, your own other business?
1: You know, the, the, the big reason was they had a template for me to follow and execute. And I just knew that at this point, I didn't care about the ego of creating something of my own. I just wanted a big fat bank account, and I wanted to be able to do All other right. things without a lot of stress. And so they handheld me, walked me through how to do it, um, and we were pretty successful at it.
0: Now with Charles running the Little Caesar Stores, Jesse sets out to build the Valpac business and he grows that business to five locations. But Valpac does something very interesting for Jesse is it gives him a front row seat to a lot of different businesses. See, in Valpac, as an owner, you call different businesses like chiropractors or restaurants or salons or all these businesses and you pitch Valpac, the coupon business. And while he's doing this, he starts to learn a lot about different businesses. But he has this one experience pitching VALPAC that launches him into his next franchise.
1: I was trying really hard to get a hold of a a hair hair salon franchisee in the area. And um, when I finally got a hold of him, he was extremely rude to me on the phone and it irritated me. And I just called my brother up and said, we need to get in the salon business. I'm like, these guys don't (laughs) have any respect for advertising. And I'm like, he just rubbed me wrong. So let's do this. So we immediately jumped into... My brother actually had become a franchise broker on the side. And so he was Mm -hmm. aware of some concepts and he was like, well, Sport Clips is the one that keeps putting up the big numbers. Let's go look at them. And I had a natural hesitation to it. Um, We were in rural markets. Yeah. No, we we Uh were in rural markets and the idea of cutting off half the people that live in your area as potential clients, meaning, no, we focus on men and boys um, we went and looked at some other, uh, franchise concepts that were more full service salons and we'd go up to their discovery day. And then my mind was blown about how complex the salon industry can be with all the chemical work and things like that, that I was just like, wow, that's something I don't want to get into. So we did take a look at sport clips. I walked in, I saw one sign on the window and I got it right away. And it was, uh, come in for your free neck trim. I, I was a single guy at that point. I was going in and getting a haircut like every nine days so my neck wouldn't look shaggy. And I had no idea there was a thing called a neck trim that would just clean up the neck. I
0: trim. actually had no idea that exists still.
1: Yeah. So you come into any That's sport clips. Amazing. If you're a client of that sport so you can come in and get free neck trims in between your haircut. So it'll make the haircut look fresh until you're ready for your next haircut.
0: By the way, that is an interesting thing to talk about, which is finding a niche. I think that's so interesting about an, a, your decision. When you saw the complexity of a salon that would take care of anybody, it went from, well, I don't want to lose clients to, well, I don't want the complexity. Um, did you Do you take that approach to the businesses that you start where you want it to be simple?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about Little Caesars, we don't have dine-in. We don't do delivery. We just have carry-out pizza. It doesn't get any easier than that.
0: Now at this point, the Kaiser brothers are making good money and things start to get fun. So they take what they learned from running their Little Caesars restaurants and they apply it to the salon industry and their business gets into hyper growth. Maybe you wouldn't think that you can apply restaurant experience to salons, but here's Jesse.
1: So if you know anything about restaurants, when they open up, they're jam packed. Everyone wants to try it. And then after a couple months, everyone's got their fill of it. And so they're not going there twice a week. They're going there once a month. Right. Right. So I decided, and salons, by the way, are about the opposite direction. They start out really slow and then they build momentum. So, you know, the truth is, is that the longer you can keep a salon open, the likelihood every year your sales will grow because you're not going to, you're going to attract more clients and you're not going to lose as many clients. Um, gotcha. So so we just opened it up like it was a restaurant in their respect of, we're going to over-train everyone, I'm going to over-staff, and I'm going to over-market this thing. And it, it did great. So that was in March of 2012. And then in November of 2012, we opened up our fourth Sport Clips. And I didn't want that anyone thinking that was a fluke. So we opened that store, and it still to this day holds the grand opening client count. But uh, and it, it broke the sales. It doubled or not doubled. They did 50% more sales than the Cape Girardeau location did the first week open.
0: That's incredible.
1: It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a whirlwind. So once that happened and I was able to replicate that, I convinced my brother, I'm like, we need to go full Monty into this. And so we started buying lots and lots of licenses, uh, uh-huh. licenses in what we about five states in the Midwest. And so for the next several years, I was living in a hotel, opening up four or so uh, salons a year.
0: At about four salons a year, the Kaiser Brothers opened 22 sport clip locations. That is a crazy amount. And they take everything that they're learning from all these different businesses and they cross pollinate between them. But they don't stop there. See, about 10 years earlier, Jesse and his brother had learned a lot about the carpet cleaning industry through pitching Valpec products to carpet cleaning companies. And they learned something very interesting that the carpet cleaning business was extremely profitable, but as they found, most of the owners of carpet cleaning companies were fairly unsophisticated, the companies weren't well run, and they weren't very good at marketing their business. So they always felt like there was a huge opportunity in carpet cleaning. So now that they have this foundation of 22 sport clips and five little Caesars restaurants, they start to look for the best carpet cleaning franchise on the market and their search leads them to the OxyFresh carpet cleaning franchise concept. Yeah, just like the OxyFresh that you saw in infomercials, there is a franchise that uses the OxyFresh brand, and it is one of the most amazing cleaning concepts out there. So now that they're well capitalized, the Kaiser Brothers go all in, and they acquire the rights to the OxyFresh carpet cleaning franchise to the entire St. Louis market. Now, I asked Jesse, why Oxyfresh? What made them so appealing?
1: Well, you know, I identified and clicked with the guys that work there right away. Um, they were all really close to my age. Maybe some of them are a little bit younger. I think Jonathan is, uh, I think he's like he's like a little brother to me. He's like uh, maybe two years younger than me.
0: The Jonathan that Jesse talks about is Jonathan Barnett, the founder of Oxyfresh Carpet Cleaning. And Jesse's right. Not only is Oxyfresh Carpet Cleaning a great model, Jonathan and his team are some of the funnest people in all of franchising. They're the kind of guys that you just can't help but want to be around. And, you know, I think it's actually really cool that Jesse at this point in his life is able to select his next venture, his next business based on the people, not just a business concept, but the actual people that he wants to be around. But it didn't hurt that OxyFresh also had a very simple model, which is something that Jesse looks for in every business.
1: They managed a call center, so we didn't have to. So basically what we had to do is train and educate carpet cleaning technicians, and understand how to do marketing and accounting, which were the marketing we had, the, the back office accounting we had, training people, not a problem. So it just seemed like a really good fit.
0: Now talk about having a family business for somebody who is thinking about starting a business and they're talking to their mom, dad, brother, sisters. Family businesses are not easy. There's uh, the in-laws, there's other people that come in. How was that for you and your brother?
1: Well, we have a lot of respect for each other, and it goes both ways. Um, it's a blessing and it's a curse because you guys are family. You tend to not be so nice to each other sometimes when you clearly would never do that with an employee. Um, but right. the other side is is that the other person grew up with you and knows that sometimes you are just a butt and that uh, uh-huh. not to take it too personal. So. It, with it all being said, I'm very fortunate that I've got a very competent partner. And his skill sets complement mine very well. He's more of an analytical. He's more of a let's wait and see. Um, so he obviously takes care of more of the back office things. And I take care of a lot more of the growth and development. And I'm the guy that sees something shiny and goes, I think I can make a lot of money at this. Let's do this. And I know it's a good deal when he's excited about it. So, when I can get him excited about it and I'm excited about it, it probably satisfies all the concerns of, is it really a stable um, environment to be in? And is there a lot of opportunity right. to be in it? So, he's a he's a good counterbalance to me. So, going into business with anyone, make sure that there's a part for them in, in the partnership. Good balance. If family members are not... Um, I mean, we were best friends before we got into business with each other as part of the reason why we were, so if you're not best friends with your brother or sister, I wouldn't go into business with them.
0: That's right now, going back to starting of that business, I think some people confuse this idea of becoming an entrepreneur, owning your business, or being a franchisee that perhaps being a franchisee is restrictive and it's not really your business. I think there's some misconceptions about it now owning a franchise is not for everybody. Some people want to go and create their own business and have that freedom. So what has been your experience of owning all these franchises? And what would you say to somebody that says, oh, no, I never would consider a franchise because they're going to control me?
1: I would tell you, you know, if you, okay, here's what I could say from the inside perspective of a franchisee. When I go to our brand's national conferences, I can sit next to another franchisee and we could both point out eight different people that run their business eight different ways. And we probably all think seven of those eight probably aren't the way that we'd want to run it. So there is a lot of flexibility in how the business is ran. I mean, with the Little Caesars, if I want to start doing some kind of different crazy pizza, no, I can't do that. But I sure as heck can train my my team members differently. I can make the customer experience be better than what the brand standard is. And I'm not saying the brand standard's bad bad. I'm just saying you can always go above and beyond what the standard expectations are. And I think that's where the differential is. So for me, I have always overdeveloped all of our train all of our team members, overdeveloped every single one of them. I've always overmarketed all of our grand openings. And then I've laid off on the marketing. Because once you Once you have the four walls really solid and you've got people already in to try the product or try the experience, um, I mean, we're really in the business of trying to get reactions out of our customers, right? And we do. Every business Mm -hmm. does. You either have good reactions or bad reactions. And how you manage those reactions is going to be how viable you are. So that's kind of the thesis of what I'm getting at is you still have a lot of control over the reactions of your customers and your team members.
0: I don't think I've told you this, but my father was a franchisee of Blimpies. Oh. and yes. And he hated every day of his life as a franchisee of Blimpies. Now that is not to say that it's a bad brand. Um, I think sometimes entrepreneurs will bite into a business where all the signals were there where they personally would not like that day to day. May it be being a restaurant owner or salon owner, or Valpac, or, or whatever it is, uh, that, it, that it doesn't, you know, my dad hated the customer service side of things. When somebody would ask for uh, fat free mayonnaise, he would say, It's mayonnaise. It's got fat. There's no such thing. He would yell at the customer because he, he was so incensed by somebody asking for fat free mayonnaise. So obviously not the right business for him. Did that ever affect you? Did you ever look at these businesses as, Well, I'm going to be really good at that? I'm good at customer service. Uh, and if you did, were you ever wrong? Were there parts of the business that rubbed you the wrong way that made it really hard for you to run it?
1: You know, uh, I, in full disclosure, I am terrified of customers. I love employees. <laughs> I love employees. Interesting. I will train and develop an employee to take care of the customer better than anyone else. But I am terrified of interacting with customers. And so the ValPak thing was really painful for me. And that was, that was my blimpy because when I had to go yeah. interact with the business owners, I, I was terrified of them. I was terrified of them for different reasons. Sometimes I wanted to be like your dad and yell at him that there's no such thing as fat free Um And other right. times I just wanted to you know say, how could you treat another human being like that just because you're having a bad day? Um, I'm terrified of customers. So what I try to do is develop employees that give the very best client experience as possible so I never have to interact with them and the flip to that though is that I do from time to time get emails or phone calls from customers and they want to rave about their client experience and I feel so guilty saying thank you I'm grateful for them having that experience but I had really nothing to do with that it was the team member that had that connection with that person that made that reaction be positive positive.
0: So you lean in to the things that you know you don't like, but you create systems so that you don't have to deal with those You're
1: things. absolutely right.
0: And now with all these years behind you, with everything you've developed, it's amazing that you have these opportunities. I think sometimes folks think about buying their first business and they think about, well, that's, that's what I'll do for the rest of my life. Um, and that wasn't the case for you. It just sets you in a foundation to be able to do now, in a way, whatever you want. Absolutely. Did you know that back when you were 27, that this would be a foundation that would take you wherever you want? Was there a concern about being only one brand? Or did you just not know any better?
1: You know, it. I wasn't going to be able to articulate it in my 20s, but I had this internal feeling that um, I think most people look for freedom from things. I, I look for freedom to things, freedoms to do things that... Um, you can't normally do. You know, I get to spend so much time with my kids. I get to vacation wherever I want to, whenever I want to. Um, I can pick up the phone call, and I can do whatever I want. And that was things that was important to me even back then. It wasn't a materialistic thing like I need a big house or a fancy car. I wanted freedom to do things, and I wanted freedom from things. So I wanted I wanted more relationships. I wanted more capabilities. I wanted more time, and obviously, I wanted more capital. But um, I wanted more access to those things.
0: So, uh, is money then not a motivator? At, at least not as much as freedom.
1: You know, I don't. I, I don't get really tied up into materialistic things. I won't lie to you. Money is really important, or capital is really important, because if you want to go do something, start a new business, start a new concept or join into a concept. Um, you know, your skill sets only going to get you so far. You're going to need some capital to make that happen too. So, money is important in that respect where it creates opportunities, but other than that, it's it's not a driving force for me. There's two types of entrepreneurs. There's lifestyle entrepreneurs and there's growth-minded entrepreneurs, and I could tell you from day one other than my 50 unit statement, I've always been a growth-minded op- entrepreneur. What is the difference? They look and act the same in the very beginning, but once the lifestyle entrepreneur meets the level of lifestyle standards that they wanted, they stop growing and they stay where they are.
0: Right, that's, and I, that's, that's, that's true. that's not
1: me, never will be. I won't retire because I don't consider what I do work.
0: In the next 10 years, where do we see Jesse Kaiser and your operation?
1: Definitely more units. And probably, more importantly, is more profitable units. Um, You know, when I made that statement of 50 stores when I was in my 20s, um, that was about a bragging thing, right? Um, I've got friends that have way more units than I have, and we're probably making the same amount of money. And I've got less headaches, and I've got less out on the limb as far as lease agreements and, and things like that. So having more profitable locations is going to be just as important to me as having more locations. So in the next 10 years, you're going to see me focusing on that. You're going to see me getting involved in another brand, whether I come on and help them and put equity into the brand itself, or I become a franchisee again in another concept. Um, I see the future wide open. There's a lot of opportunities in the franchising space that if you've got a good reputation, you understand unit economics, and um, you're willing to work hard and put capital into something, there's a lot of opportunity.
0: Just last year, Jesse and Charles's five Little Caesars, six Oxyfresh, and 22 SportClip locations generated over $10 million in gross revenues. And by the way, Jesse's right there are some amazing, innovative, game-changing franchise concepts out there right now that will absolutely explode over the next five years and create thousands of new multimillionaires like the Kaiser Brothers. And by the way, if you'd like to keep up with the Kaiser Brothers and find out what concept they take on next, head on over to borntorunit.com or follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll let you know about Jesse and Charles's next move. And thank you so, so much for listening to our show. You can subscribe to our show anywhere you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It's your reviews that will help us reach more people who might be searching for their callings and allow us to document and tell more stories of amazing entrepreneurs. If you want to send us a tweet, it's at born to run it you can also follow us on facebook instagram and linkedin just search for our show born to run it and if you enjoyed this or any of our episodes i promise we won't be mad at you for sharing our show on social media using the hashtag born to run it our show is edited by the wonderful deanna mejia i'm marcos mora and you've been listening to born to run it